Hey, good morning. Today's daf is daf Samaches. Um, today's shir is Le'ilu Nishmas Shaul Ben Yitzchak. And Ben Sion Ben Zeev, Avram Alevi, Basia, Bas Eliyahu, Shraga Fivel, Ben Baruch, David Yitzchak, Mordechai Ben Yosef, and Mori Bas Yisrael Idol. May the Neshomas have an Aliyah, and may their memories be a blessing. Okay, I'm going to go from the Mishnah at the bottom of Daf Samach Zayin Amud Beis, 67b. Um, we're carrying on with the, with the Seder, so remember um, the Kohen Godel, <coughs> um, the last Mishnah we learned that the Kohen Godel had sent off the Seirah Mishdalech, and the Seirah Mishdalech had been taken by the person who was designated. So this mission continues. They take him to the bull and the goat that were going to be burnt. Remember, this is the special bull and goat who he shechted. Um, well, he shechted the bull. He did, well, he did two videos on the bull. He shechted it. He uh, sprinkled the, he did the incense, he sprinkled the blood of this bull inside, then he shechted the goat and sprinkled the blood of the goat inside the Kodesh HaKadoshim. That's the bull and the goat he's speaking about. Now they are burnt primarily. So, so, that's, so he now comes to those bull and, that, that bull and goat. So he says, He tears them open and he takes out their innards. A murim are referring to the parts that are burnt on the Mizbeach. Nostan Bemegis, he puts them in a bowl, Vihiktiron al Kabem is bath, and he burns them on the Mizbah. Then what does he do with so he's what does he do with the body? He says, Colin Bamatlos, he braids them together. He twists them together. Well he'd see on the base of and takes them out to be burnt. Now at what stage does the people involved with Taking them, with burning them become Tome. Again, the Apostle says the ones who burn this bull and goat become Tome. So at what stage? So the first opinion says, when it leaves the courtyard, the temple courtyard, I, um, and goes on to Temple Mount. Rabbi Shimon says, when they are mostly burnt. So that's what they do with this. Um, bull and goat. Just two points. Um, yeah, so just one point. Um, I think it will just help understand a little bit of the mission. So there, very interestingly, there's a halacha that you're not allowed to burn the the different parts of different carbonas together. They must each be brought up to the mizbeach independently and then put on the fire. So why all of a sudden can he just tear open the he, he tears open the bull and the goat and he puts all there a murim into the bowls and he takes them up. So the Migdash David wants to suggest maybe once their blood has been mixed and used in the avoided together, they, get, they become a merged, fused together and considered one korban, which is quite an interesting idea, but that would fit in with a few of these halachas. So again, when do we mix? So we had a machlokas, but the one opinion holds after he sprinkled the blood of the bull and the blood of the goat on the to war, he's standing in the hekel towards the curtain, he then mixes the bloods together and applies them to the golden altar. The second opinion was that he, after applying to the golden altar, he mixes them together, but other, and then he does the last part, he pours them on the base of the Mizbah. So once the blood is mixed together, then they become joined, which is interesting, that would be 
fit in well with this v'kolon. He Why doesn't, when they're carrying them out to be burnt, why do they wind them together and braid them together? So again, that would fit in well to make them kind of like one korban, because once their blood is fused, they become like one uh, korban. Um, so that, yeah, that was that idea. And then just before we go on, I left out, um, there was an idea I wanted to discuss yesterday. I didn't get a chance and I forgot to before we started this Mishnah. Um, so just quickly, we mentioned yesterday, we gave, we discussed the posuk that says, es mishpotai tasu, the es, uh, what was the second part? Es mishpotai tasu, the es chukoisai tishmeru, we discussed Mishpatim, or laws that people would come up by themselves, and Chukim, or laws that if that the Satan actually argues against. So the, and then it gave a list of Chukim. So the question I asked, why specific? Why the question I wanted to just address was why these items specifically? And um, again, the list was eating pig. What about eating any other non-kosher animals or all the other laws of kashas? Why specifically eating pig? Um, the other one was shafness. Clothes you can't wear together, etc. All these items, why these items of all the chukim in the Torah, why this list? So the Marashah and the Marats Chayos give, I don't want to say the same answer, but very similar answers. And it's along the lines of, these are all cases that there's a permitted scenario. Some of them, there's actually even a mitzvah, and only in the mitzvah is it permitted. In all other cases, it would be completely forbidden. It would be an isur in the Torah. What are they? So remember in Chulin, we had the Gemara, which said, um, everything that, it was Rav Nachman's wife, Marta. Marta asked Rav Nachman, she said, anything we have in the Torah, we have a principle that Hashem, that Everything that is Osur, there is something that is Mutar. And she said, with Chazir, I know there's the Shibuta. So there's this food that there's pig. And then there's the sort of fish that tastes exactly like pig. Like Chazir. So for everything that there's Osur, there is Mutar. And that's what the Satan is. I'll give examples shortly. But that's what the Satan is challenging. It's illogical. It makes no sense. In one case, it's Osur. In one case, it's Mutar. It must be nonsense. Um, what would be another example so just from our list? So shatnas on sitzis, it's a mitzvah to, well, I don't think it's a mitzvah to specifically have shatnas, but it's a mitzvah on, uh, on, but in all other cases, a jacket, a shirt, etc., it would be also to have shatnas. Um, yibum, to marry someone's brother's ex-wife, this is one of the is a severe is a isu koreis. It's one of the arayos. It's one of the forbidden uh, um, forbidden uh, rela- relations. And but in yibum, it's all of a sudden a mitzvah. Again, similar the seira mishdalech. We generally it brings atonement. Most most animals that bring atonement are done in the base hamikdash. This is done outside the base hamikdash. If you would do any other korban, any other offering to get kapora outside of the base hamikdash, severe isu of shkutayichutz. Um, of offering Korban outside the base of and here the mitzvah is to take it outside the base of Mikdash. So these are all, all these chukim have this built-in intrinsic contradiction where we know they permitted, and even in some cases a mitzvah, and all of a sudden, in other cases they're also. So it's clearly not that the object that we're discussing is, 
let's say, unhealthy or dangerous to us or damaging because there are all these towns where it's permitted. So it's a chok. We can't understand it, but maybe that's what the Satan comes along and suggests. It's probably nonsense. If I tell you on Monday it's safe to have, uh, to have butternut, but on Tuesday butternut's very health, very unhealthy and dangerous to eat, you'll call me a lunatic. But that's what we're doing. That's what Hashem has told us with all these mitzvahs. So that's the Satan's going to argue against and we have to fight it. Okay, let's go on. So that was just one idea I wanted to bring from yesterday's shir. And um, back to our Mishnah. So we mentioned that they bring him um, again after sending out the Seira Mishalach, the goat to Azazel. They bring him to these the bull and the goat which are going to be torn which are going to be burned. He tears them open and he takes out their fats and he puts them in a bowl and burns them on the Mizbech. So he says, How can you think that at this point in the temple service he burns them on the Mizbech? We're not there yet. There are a whole lot of steps before that. Rashi points out, he first, as we're going to see in the next Mishnah, he reads from the Chumash, he reads certain parishos in the Chumash from a Torah. Um, and then he's going to change into his big day, Zohov, and he's going to offer his isle and the isle of the people. And then he's going to remove the big day Zohov and change into the big day Lovon. And he's going to go remove the inc- the kathomachte, the spoon and the incense shovel from the Kodesh HaKadoshim. And then even later, so, and then he's still got to um, change into the gold. And remember with each gold changing of garments, it's a big story. It's tefillah and changing. And then he, only then does he come to burn these Amurim. So, the, so we back to so that's what the Gemara is asking. How can a Mishnah teach? He goes there, he cuts them up, puts them in a bowl, and goes and, bu- and burns them. This is not the time yet. So he says, no. He prepares them to be burnt on the mizbech. I mean, no, he knows it's not burning them. Now he's getting them ready to be burnt. Okay, then we move on. We said Kalon Bamaklos. He braids them together. Now Rashi says not only does he twine them together, they would also then carry them with four people. They would put them on two poles, uh, across two poles, and four people, two in the front and two in the back, would carry them to where it's going to be burnt. So Amar Rabbi Yochanan, Kamin Kilia. So it's hard to see what Rabbi Yochanan is adding, but Rabbi Yochanan says, yeah, like a braid, completely wound together. Um, I heard someone express it as like a two-headed monster. You're going to have, uh, that's what it's going to look like, how they wind together. Um, t- now, now, there's a special halacha. Well, we know with the korban, that these animals fall into, the mix, into a mix of two korbanos. The standard chattas is the imurim are offered on the mizbah, and the rest of the meat is eaten by the kohanim. These chatois, and it applies to all chatois that are the, whose blood is sprinkled inside the hechal as opposed to on the outer mizbech, they're burnt. Now the other korban that is burnt completely is an ola. But there's a special way that you cut up the ola into different sections, into different limbs, to burn it. So tanelohu yomenatri nitoha basar ola, they would not cut it up like they cut up the flesh of an oila into Dubrinim. Ella or al Gabe Bosa. Not only there, it was skinned, and here they don't skin it. They cut it up and leave the skin on the meat. Minoani Mili, what's the source? The Tanya Rebi Oime Rebi taught Nemar Kan or Ubosor Upiresh. It's taught here by Yomakipur, by this these the the parent Sirab Yomakipurim. Skin, meat and waste. It says Venemalahalan and it says over there by the Par Kohen Godel, 
or Ubasuru Piresh, or Basuru Piresh. Mala Halal Alitaini Tuach, Velo Alitai Hepshet, Afkan Alitaini Tuach, Velo Alitai Hepshet. Just as over there you cut it up without skinning it, so to here you cut it up without skinning it. Vahosominalan, and where do we know it from over there? How do we know that the Par Yomakipurim is cut up without, um, uh, one second, is cut up without um, skinning it? The Tanya, as we learned in the price of the Kirvu Pasha Vahoitzi, and you have to add in Vahoitzi es kol hapar. It's in it and it's waste, and you take it all out. Melamed Shemoitzi Shalom, that tells us that you take it out whole. Yochol Yisrafenu. Again, the Pasuk says it in singular, you take it out. So it's all together. It says, Malam Echimoyitzi Shalom. You take it out. Yochel Yisrofenu Shalom. Maybe you would think that you burn it while still whole. Neymar Khan, Rosh of a Krav. It's head and it's limbs. Neymar Lahalan. And it says by um, a regular oiler, Mala, ma, uh, yeah. And it says similar by the oiler. It says, Mala Halan al Yedaini Tuach, Afkan al Yedaini Tuach. Just as over there it's out through cutting up. So too here it's by cutting out. Oh, well then we're back to our original question. If just as you're comparing it to the oiler, well the oiler you would skin before you burnt it. So, so to this, these, the bull and the goat, you should skin before you burn it. It says, It's kerev, it's innards and it's waste. He says, Oh, so because it says innards and waste together, how does that tell us that you... Don't skin it. Just as when you burn in this carbon, you burn it with its waste inside. You don't remove the waste and burn it separately. You leave it inside. So to the flesh and the skin. Okay, so we have the drosha that tells us that the bull and the goat of Yom Kippur are burnt. They cut up with the skin on, but it seems, but it's more similar to how they would cut up an ola. Yes, Mervyn. Doesn't it seem strange that you're braiding two animals together? <laughs> you can't plant two different uh, uh, crops in the same field. Mm. You've got sharpness as you brought up earlier. Yeah. How can you? And not only that, you're not allowed to breed two animals or plow two animals together. Yeah. So that's what I said. It's a, it's a hard one to understand. It's part of the avoider. But like I said, maybe from the um, a suggestion from the Mikdash David is that once you've mix their blood together they become a fused korban again you're not doing any of those things with the animals but it is a fused korban so we want to burn them we want to carry them out together dismember them together and burn them together but yeah it it does sound uh, strange but um, like we saw I'm I'm going to rely on yesterday's stuff it's the decree of Hashem and and we we don't question it A little bit of a cop-out, but that's yesterday's on. Okay, um, now just before we go on, remember, we've, I mean, we've seen this a few times, there's Sholosh Machanos. In the base Amigda, in the, in the Mishka, in the desert, when they were traveling, it was always the Mishkan, was Machane Eshkina. Then there was Machane Levia, where the Levim encamped around it. And then there was the Machane Yisrael. So there were those three levels of Kedusha. And there were certain things that certain things could only be done or not done in Machane Shechina. Certain things less restrictive was also Machane Levia. And even less restrictive was Machane Yisrael. But they all still had Kedusha. And then outside of Machane Yisrael, was, there was no Kedusha. In the temple, they correspond to the temple and its courtyard is Machane Shechina. 
Harabayis Temple Mount corresponds to Machane Leviah, and the rest of Yerushalayim is Machane Yisrael. So, anything that had that all the restrictions that applied to those three camps would apply to the whole of Yerushalayim, and obviously anything that could only be done outside the three camps would have to be taken outside of Yerushalayim. That's the one point to bear in mind in the next discussion. The second point to bear in mind in discussion is there these, as I mentioned right at the beginning, there these there certain chata'os that are not classic chata'os that are the blood is sprinkled on the outer altar and, the, and they're eaten by the koinim. These chata'os, the blood is sprinkled inside the heichal, towards the paroiches, and they are actually burnt, as we're going to see, outside the camps. Now what are they? Just to have them clear. So the ones that are most relevant to us is to the parvasair shal yom kippurim, the bull and the goat of yom kippur. That's what we've been discussing the last few, the last while. Um, those special bull and goat. The second unique to yom kippur. The second one is the parkohen godol. If the kohen godol issues a psak, uh, for, obviously for himself, and it turns out it's a mistake, and because he that psak was a the mistake was actually an isukores, so he made quite a quite a serious mistake. Then he has to bring a parkohen godel. That's what's called. That's what we refer to the parkohen godel. And then there's what's also called the parhaedo, parhelem dover. That's if Sanhedrin issue a psak. Turns out that psak was a mistake, and most of the Israel practiced halacha based on their, their psak. So most of the Israel are deserving of kores because of it. That's the par helem or the par um, or the par ha'eda. So those are the three things that we're going to come up in this discussion against the par v'sair of Yom Kippurim, the par kohen gadol, and the par ha'eda. Says Tana Rabban and Yoytzi Yom Chutz Lemachan Eved Sarfo. We learned in a brace that you take it outside of Yerushalayim, outside of the camp, and you burn it. Lahalanata noisin lehem shalom shmatonos. Elsewhere, I by the par helem dover. You say it has to be taken out all three camps. And here you just say, take it out the camp. I must be the, which camp are you taking it out? Must be the Machane Shechina, because that's where it's in. Also, why does it emphasize and take it outside the camps? It says, As soon as it has been taken outside one camp, it makes his garments tome. I.e., we should be comparing this based on Drosheth, as we'll see, the par and the seir of Yom Kippur to the par um, helem dover. And therefore, just we know that it must be burnt outside of Yerushalayim. So why here does it emphasize you take it outside one camp? It should be saying three camps. So no, it's telling us if you take it outside one camp to say that as soon as you've taken outside one camp, those who are carrying it become Tomei. It's not a din in where you take it, because that we know where you take it. You take it outside of all three camps. It's a din in telling us when the person, the people carrying it become Tomei. How do we know the par helem dover that it has to be taken outside all three camps? The tanya par kohen We learned in a brisa regarding the par kohen godol. Okay, and that's where the, bull, the kohen godol made a ruling that was a mistake. It says, And he will take out the whole bull. Outside three camps. You're telling me that when it says 
take out the power. It means take it out three camps. How do you know that? Maybe it means just take it outside the one camp. No, no, because it repeats it by the paraedem. The paraedem tover el michutz lamachane. Take it outside the three camp, outside the camp. Shein talmud loimer. The Torah didn't have to tell us by the paraedem to take it out the camp. Why? Sharek farnema vosoros osol kasher sorafes aparishon. Because it says you will burn it as you in the same place as you burn the first bull mentioned. Ah, you burn the paraedem in the same place where the coin god burns his bull. So we don't need to tell us. Take it out three camps. Oh, So why does the Torah emphasize take it outside the three camps? To tell us that you've got to take it outside two camps. And then when it says, Take it outside, um, sorry, by the dishon, by the ash, that's when the Mizbah would become too full of ash. They would take, um, take it out. Um... Now, Sha'in Talmud Lomar, it didn't have to tell us that you take out the, the, this ash out the camp. Because it already tells us that you take the bull of the Kohen Godel to the place where the ash is poured. It says, So it must be coming to tell us a third camp. It says this word, three times unnecessarily. So each time is to tell us to take it outside. A further camp. You might have thought only one camp, and then you take all of them to that camp. So it's by the other one, it says, no, take it outside another camp. So that's how we learn it. So that's the Josh, and this is the opinion of Al Tanakama, who said that you, the person becomes Tomei as soon as he's, the people who are carrying this bull and the goat become Tomei as soon as they're outside the temple courtyard. That's why by the bull of Yom Kippur, it mentions take it outside the camp, when we know it doesn't mean take it outside the one camp. We know it means take it to Outside all three camps, outside Yerushalayim. But then, what does Rabbi Shimon do with this Again, Al Tana learned to, to say that they become Tomei as soon as they leave the Azora. Rabbi Shimon says they don't become Tomei when they leave the Azora, they only become Tomei when they burn it. So it's no, we learn it from the Brisa where Rabbi Eliezer says, It says, by the bull and the goat of Yom Kippur. And it says by the para aduma, the red cow, take it outside. It says, Just as over there it's outside three camps, so to here it's outside three camps. And just as over there it's on the east of Yerushalayim. So to here, it's by the east of Yerushalayim. So Rabbi Shimon actually learns a different halacha from it, from this Michutz Lamachane. He compares it to the Pora Aduma and says that's where you burn it, on the east of Yerushalayim, like the Pora Aduma. He says, Where would the rabbis tell you to burn it? Again, Rabbi Shimon had this word, Michutz Lamachane, to compare it to Pora Aduma. So we know to burn at the same place as the Paratuma, but the Rabbonim don't have that Rosha, they used it to teach another halacha. So he says, no, Kedetanya, we learn Yerushalayim You burn it on the north of Yerushalayim and outside all three camps. Why the north, Rashi says, because Achatas is generally associated, all the malachas you shecht it, you do come, etc., in the north, so, so too you would burn it in the north. Says Rabbi Yosi, I mean Rabbi Yosi says, Abay Sadesh and Nisrofin, you burn it where the ashes placed.
Um, now, they learn from Rabbi Yossi that Rabbi Yossi is telling us that it must already be a place where there is ash. Because he said, where do you burn the para? Where do you burn it? Where there is ash. So, Omarova, Mantana, the polygolator, Rabbi Yossi. Who's the Tanu who argues on Rabbi Yossi? Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov. Who is Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov? Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov. The Tanya, El Shefe Chadesh and Yisraf. You will take it to the, you'll burn it where the Deshen is poured out. And it means that there is ash there. Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov, Aimer Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov argues and says, Now, what does it mean, Shefech Adeshen? That it is slanted. Right, so, we have another Machloikas. We have an unnamed Tanu who teaches us that there must be ash there where you're burning this. Poradumo or Pariyomakipurim. And we have then another Pasuk which says, and another, we have Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov who says, no, it means it must be sloped. I, he doesn't require it to be burnt where there is ash. It just has to be sloped. So if that's the case, must be when we slot it back into our previous Mathloikes, that Rabbi Yossi says it must be burnt where there's ash. That must be the first Tana. And the first Tana in that price, which says, in the north, Master, oh, how does he learn El Shefa Chadeshen? He learns it must be on a slope, not where it's actually, um, sorry, sorry, not necessarily fitting in with the north. It's still in Rabbi Yossi. Rabbi Yossi learns there has to be ash, whereas Rabbi Yossi ben Yaakov would learn that no, it just has to be sloped. Omar Leia Bible says, Maybe they're just arguing on whether it has to be sloped. I, maybe they both agree with the simple reading of the possum that you burn this animal, this paraduma, where there is ash. Maybe they both agree to that. The Machloikes, Rebelezim and Yaakov, is, adds in the factor that it also has to be a slope where the ash can flow a little. Okay, so that is that Machloikes. Again, how it's specifically tied into Al Mishnah is Rebbe Shimon says, you own, they only become Tomei when they burn the bull, whereas the Tanakama said, as soon as they take it out the Azara, we tied that into the Halachas of when, where do they learn out? That you take it outside of Yerushalayim too. Okay, now Ton Rabon and Vahasoreif. The Bryce says who we're going to discuss who becomes Toman exactly at what stage, according to Rabbi Shimon. So this Hasoreif, the one who burns it, Hasoreif Matawin Bagodin Velaha Matis is a or Veloha Masare Samarocha. The one who burns it, his clothes become Tome, but not the one who lights the fire or the one who arranges the pyre to burn it on. The Ezehu Hasoreif. What's, who's the burner? So Zehamasaibashasrefa, the one who assisted while burning it. I he he's the one who's turning the limbs of the bull and the goat to burn it. You might have thought even when it's just ash it can make his clothes burn. It's a limitation to only them. I as limbs that it can cause Tome below Mishanasu offer and not once it's already made into ash. Matami Bagodimit cannot make clothes Tome. Rebbe Elozab Rebbe Shimon, Rebbe Elozab Rebbe Shimon says, Hapar Matame, Nitach Habosor Matame. When it's as a bull, it makes it will make him Tome. When it's already started to decompose, started to burn, Aino Matame, it does Bagodim, it does not make clothes Tome. Okay. So we have two 
let's just go back a step. So again, the person who is, the, if you just light the fire, etc., and then they come and put the bull on, you won't be Tomei. Obviously, if you put the bull on and light the fire and help it while the bull's there, you might become Tomei because you might be assisting the burning. But it's primarily the person who's standing there and turning the meat and stoking it while it's burning that becomes Tomei. And then we made had brought a machlokes. They both seem to say, once it's ash, or the other opinion says, once it's nitach, like, uh, what's it, uh, burnt, Decom- decomposed is the wrong word, uh, uh, burnt or uh, char- uh, charred, I guess, that it's not tome, then it doesn't make the person tome. Now, the Gemara asks, my bene, what's the difference? What's the difference whether you use the word offer, ash, or nitach, charred? The difference is if it's a charred crust. I, it's just crusted. It's just charred around the crust. Um, Rashi explains. Um, if the first opinion, it has to be proper ash. Otherwise, it still transmits tumor. Whereas according to the Rebbe Lozabeh, Rebbe Shimon, um, as soon as the outside is charred, that it could be considered burnt, even though it still has like the resemblance of a piece of meat, it would still be forbidden. It would still be. Um, it, it would. It would. Well, according to the second opinion, from that stage onwards, it would not metame bekodim. K. Last mission of the Perik. They would then tell the coin godel that the seir has reached the desert. I and if they do, and the coin godel is only allowed to proceed with what we'll see. Um, <coughs> Um, with the next avoider, I basically the next Mishnah, um, when he's when it's reached the desert. How would they know that it reached the desert? Says They made watches, and the people would wave flags so that the watchers could see the flags, and then they would know that the seir had reached the desert, and then the kohen gadol can proceed with avodah. says, but there was a great siman to them. Says there was a much clearer. Sun. It says, From Yerushalayim until the start of the desert, Sholosh Milin was three mil. Holchin mil, the Choysin mil. So there were those people who accompanied it for a meal, and then they would turn back a meal. The Shohin Kadei mil, and they wait the time it takes to walk a meal. The Yodin Shehegir Seir Lamidbar, and then they would know that the Seir reached the desert. Rabbi Yishmol Oimer Bahaloi Simon Echod Hoyolahem. Rabbi Shmuel says they had another siman. Says There was a red string hanging on the entrance to the heichel. When the seir reaches the desert, Malvin, the, the strand of wool would turn. The red string would turn white. Again, this according to Rabbi Shmuel, he says you wait for it to turn white. That would only work. Um, um, that would only work when they still hung it on the fence. Interesting enough, to add to this machlokas, it seems the first opinion seems to have to wait, um, he says, until the desert. So let me just clarify that.
Yeah, it seems the Tanakama who used flags would ha- would hold you have to wait for it to reach the cliff. Whereas according to Rabbi, uh, um, Rabbi Yehuda, the Simon Godel, it just has to reach the desert. And then we, according to Rabbi Shmuel, it seems it might even have to be pushed off the cliff. You have to analyze at what stage would it turn white. This is Omar Abaya. Abaya says in the Gemara Shema, Minah, Beis Chudara, the Midbar Kama. When it says Beis Chudura, it must be referring to the Midbar. Behokamash Melant, the Kosovar, it must be coming to teach us that he holds Kivin Shigir Se'ila Midbar Nasis Mitzvoso. As soon as the Se'ir has reached the desert, it doesn't have to reach the cliff, the Mitzvah has been fulfilled and the Kohen Godel can proceed. Okay, we finished the sixth parak, and we're going to go on to the second last parak of the Meseches Yuma. So, the new parak. What this is basically discussing is, so as we just learned in the previous Mishnah, once the goat has been sent off and the Kohen Godel has heard... Um, that has been told that they, it's done its mitzvah, it's been sent off. That was the previous Mishnah. Now the plan can move on to the next step, was, which is to read a parash, uh, read certain parashios in the Torah. Um, just two things before we get to the Torah. The first, um, the, the Rashi brings the one thing. Yeah, the Rashi brings the source for this reading is as we learned it right at the beginning of the Masechta that. Um, the phrase in the parsha miluim of in the parsha mentions daber it must be said. So we learn from there that he has to read that the kohen has to read from the parsha. Um, but it's a bit of a discussion what the exact source is for the steps. He says bolo kohen They would then the kohen would come to read. I he would leave the heichal and walk out into the ezras noshim, into which is. Uh, ha, a little bit stricter, but basically harabais. In Ratzel Likro's Big Day Butzkar, if he wants to read in his linen garments, which he's already wearing, he can. And if not, he can wear in his white robe. I, uh, he doesn't have to read in the linen garments, he can change into his own clothes. I was wondering, why, why does he have to wear a white robe? Could he not wear his uh, black, uh, black and white, a black suit and white shirt? Why did it have to be a white robe? Not maybe it doesn't have to be, but that's us wondering. Then it says, The Shamash of the Temple Mount Shul would give the Sefer Torah to the head of the Shul. And the head of the Shul would give it to the Skan, the, coin, the second, the, the deputy coin Godel, and the Skan would give it to the coin Godel. The coin Godel, and the Kohen Godel would stand up to receive the Torah and read it. Right, very interesting. So, again, out of honor to the Torah, they would pass it from hand to hand. Now, that sounds a little bit disrespectful, but I think it is respectful because it's saying it's not going to be read by the Shamas. It's not going to be read by the Gabbai. It's not even going to be read by the deputy Kohen Godel. It's going to be read by the Kohen Godel. So that's the covet for the Torah. And we also see the Kohen Godel, when it's coming, he stands up to go accept it. You don't sit there. He doesn't sit there waiting for them to give the Torah. He goes, he stands up to receive it. And it says, what... Um, what does he read? For Kohen Mos. 
That's the parsha of the Avoidus Yom Kippurim. And the parsha about the Isur Melocha and the fasting of Yom Kippur. He rolls it up into his lap and he says, Obviously there's much more in the Torah than I've, just re- than I've read now. And then he says, The Regarding the Musaf offerings of Yom Kippur, which are mentioned in Bamidbar, those in Sefer Bamidbar, he reads at Alpeh. I, he's not rolling up the Sefer Torah and putting it away and then reading Alpeh. People think there are parts missing from the Sefer Torah. So he announces that there's more than, than is written. I'm just rolling out now. Obviously, the Gomorrah will discuss why he does that. He says eight brachas on it. Allah Torah. That Rashi explains Asher Nosan um, Asher Nosan Lanu Torah Ms. I the bracha we say after reading the Torah. Um, then it says Va'al Ha'avoyta. That's very similar version of Ritzay. Rashi says it's um, it says Ritzay Ba'amcho Yisrael V'Siratze Ba'avoyta Bidvir Ba'isecho etc. Sha'oschol Abadcho Be'yuran Ha'avod. Okay, that's Ritzay. That's on the service Va'al Hada. That's basically Moitim. And Rashi very interestingly brings the Pasuk says of with sacrifices and thanks you honor me. So we see there's a connection between doing Avoida and thanking Hashem, acknowledging Hashem. And um, he reads about forgiveness for sin. That's uh, Similar to what we say in Al Yom Kippur Avoida. I'm just paraphrasing from, I'm just bringing a few quotes from Rashi on that. Then it says, um, He davens that the Migdash should uh, stay, uh, stay. Sorry, He davens, he says, a special bracha for the Migdash to stay. B'nai Atmom and for Yisrael independently, Val Yerushalayim B'nai Atmom and for Yisraelim independently, Ma'ala Kohanim B'nai Atmom and for the Kohanim independently, Val Shara Tfila and the rest of the Tfila. Now, interestingly enough, that is nine brochas. We said there were eight and then nine. So some girses take one of them out, some girses combine two, but you have to just interesting to note how I read it, there were nine. Since Vaharoi Kohen Godel Keshehu Kaire, those who were able to watch the Kohen Godel when he read the Parsha, Eidoro, Pavasir, and Israfim were not able to see the burning of the bull and the goat. Vaharoi Pavasir, and Israfim, Eidoro, and Kodel Keshehu Kaire. And those who saw the Parvasir being burnt were not able to watch the Kohen read. Not because you're not allowed to do both. Rather, it was, it was impossible because they were far apart. The one was outside Yerushalayim and the one was inside the base of Midash, and they were done at the same time. Okay, now we go on to the first point. Remember, we said the Kohen Godel could choose what to wear. He can either wear the big the, the linen garb that he was wearing anyway, or he can change into his own clothes, his own white robe. Um, just one question asked, why can't he change into the golden garb, the, um, the big day Zohov? So that you only change into big day Kohuna when you are going to do an avoider. Well, it will be connected to what we say. It says, Midiktani, but it's love on Mishaloi. But the fact that it says he can do, he can read from the Torah while wearing his own clothes, 
Michal the Kriya Lav Avoida here, it implies that the Kriya is not an Avoida of, it's not temple service. Uktani and it's taught him, Rotsa Likros Bibigdei Butz, Koire. And it also says, but if he wants, he can continue, he can read while wearing the linen clothes that are specific for the service. He says, We see from here that the big day kahuna, can, the Kohen Godel can get benefit from them. There's a big problem because, remember, the, Kohen, the big day kahuna is what the Kohanim are supposed to wear while doing Avoida. But you run into trouble because obviously they're going to have to wear them when they're walking home. And they might talk to someone when they're walking home. Or they're going to, th- they're going to take them off, but they're going to have worn them unnecessarily for a little bit. So since the Torah has to be, it has to be possible for people to fulfill the Torah. So therefore you have to say that there is a little bit of leeway for the Kohanim to wear their big day kahuna even when they're not doing the temple service. But here we seem to be extending that leeway quite far. He's now going to be sitting down for a while and doing something that does not count as an, as an avoider and he's allowed to wear the big day kahuna. We see there's almost no restriction on the Kohanim wearing their big day kahuna. Um, so again, the question is, how can they? This is the Rishonim go into Granted, what's bare, the bare essentials of, i.e., walking outside the base of Migdash to change or something like that, the bare essentials of wearing them, not doing avoida, we understand, but where do we get to make such an extension? So, some, uh, the one answer given by the Rishonim is that maybe they would only sanctify them on condition. Uh, these big day kahuna are sanctified on condition that the Kohanim can do what they need to do with them. In them, otherwise you just make the avoider too hard. But again, that's the main point we bring from Amishnah by the fact that it, it says he can wear what he wants. It's clearly not an avoider because if it was an avoider, he would have to be wearing big day kahuna, and it also allows him to wear the big day kahuna. So we see your coin is allowed to get benefit, allowed to do other things besides avoiding his big day kahuna. So Gemara answers, "Oh, Tilma Shani Kriya, the Torah avoider he." Maybe the Kriya, the reading from the Torah, is different because it's part of the avoider. Why is it part of the Avoida? Because it's one of the stages of the Yom Kippur Avoida done by the Yom Kippur. So it is essential. Actually, not sure how essential it is. I don't remember. But it is clearly part of the temple service and therefore we can go lenient. But in a general case, maybe he would not be allowed to. And now we introduce it as a question. We'll introduce the question and then we'll leave it for today. So it says, Are the Kohanim allowed to get benefit, to do other things, enjoy, enjoy wearing their big day kahuna or not? And that's the question that the above discussion was based on. You might want to bring a proof from our Mishnah that they are allowed to, but the fact that the Kohen Goro was allowed to read from the Torah while wearing his big day kahuna. Or you can say, no, maybe that's to a degree that's part of the temple service, so he is not allowed to. Okay, and we'll leave it there for today. Have a very good Shabbos, and I'll see you on Sunday. It looks like I'll go from right at the top of the page of Sunday's death.